I mean, in an instant, our human vocabulary has changed. Forever, maybe. During a typical March, especially this time of, of year, we should be using phrases like March Madness and Bracketology, or how about that pollen? We should be singing the first round of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. We should be hearing words like primary and election and runoff. But our lexicon has been altered this year. And so our daily conversations by phone and by Skype, we're using Zoom around here. Technology in general now includes words such as pandemic and hot zones and quarantine and social distancing and six-foot radius lockdown and flattening the curve. What we all long to hear is the phrase, all clear, <laughs> go back to life as normal. But I don't know that we'll hear those words anytime soon. What we need is a word. We need a word indeed. I ran across one this week when another preacher shared a story with me. He was talking about how he went on a long flight from point A to point B, and when they ascended to a certain height at a particular uh, altitude, the weather became quite unsettled, and this very calming voice came over the PA system and said, at this time we will not be serving beverages. Please fasten your seatbelt sign. Bing, bing. It went off about the very moment all that happened. And so this pastor was looking around and he could see a little bit of anxiety beginning to form among the passengers. And just a few minutes later, we will not be serving a meal on this flight due to the turbulence. Please remain in your seat with your seat, uh, your seat belt fastened and, and your trays in the upright position. You know the drill. Well then, they could hear the claps of thunder over the engines and they could see the lightning darkening, uh, lightening up the, uh, the dark cabin and, and the outside. And people became very nervous. And it was about that moment the plane would go up and then it would come down and it was more like a roller coaster than a smooth ride. Well, about that time, this minister looked over and he could hardly believe his eyes. Amid all this rising and falling and all this side to side and turmoil, there sat a little girl. A child, she had her book in her hand and her legs crossed, and she was not faced by any of this. Hmm, he thought. How is that possible? So they made it through the storm, and they landed, and as everyone else rushed out to the terminal, this minister walked over and asked this little girl why she had not been afraid, and she very promptly replied, well... My daddy is the pilot, you see, and he's taken me home. He's taken me home. The story reminded me of all the storms with which we are dealing right now, emotional and physical and financial. Sometimes the good word that we need to hear is that our Father in heaven is leading us, guiding us through these times. You know, words create worlds, and in times of uncertainty, words matter. We need a word. 
But we all want to hear is a word from the Lord, something assuring like the little girl knowing that her daddy was leading her home. We need a word to embrace us like a blanket on a cold night. These times we are in this virus, it has us so worried and so anxious. So many of us have trouble sleeping at night. And overnight, our vocabularies have changed because the world has changed. The world has shrunk, actually, to a size we never imagined. Many of us, over the past couple of weeks, have discovered the gods that we've been serving for far too long. Anxiety is so intricately linked to our human freedom, and freedom can be scary, you know, because we can go anywhere we like. We can dream any dream, and it comes to life. We can work hard enough and begin climbing some ladders. We can save enough and ride off into the sunset. And so much of these past two weeks has rattled those freedoms. These touchstones of our lives seem to sink into a sea of uncertainty. And all these metrics that provide us with a sense of security have descended while anxieties and fears have escalated. What are we to do? We need a word. But not just a word. We need the word. In John's Gospel, we read that Jesus is the Word made flesh who lived among us and was full of, of grace and truth. The Word became flesh because words matter, especially in times like these. Words are a big deal to God, and they are to us as well. And I must say that this has been the most bizarre Lenten season that I can ever remember. Amen? Yes, great. <laughs> I had not intended on giving up quite as much. Uh, for example, I don't know, like an actual congregation. That just wasn't on my list of things to give up this year. Hmm. And I never thought, in terms of giving up and taking up, I never thought when I entered into ministry that I'd be a TV evangelist, but here we are, right? Here we are. We've been talking a lot this Lenten season about grace making space and removing labels and how when grace makes space, it means that all people are welcome to experience God's redemptive grace. And that's been a matter of social acceptance during Lent. But now during this landmine of social distancing, we're left scratching our heads a bit because grace making space has less to do with acceptance of all who come because we can't meet and so much to do with making space so as to keep our neighbors healthy and safe. We're trying to model that here in our choir. So what are we to do with this most fascinating new phrase, this new word in the modern era? Social what? Distancing. After one week, I am so over that phrase. I tell you, I'm, I'm an ambivert, right? I guess that I'm a good Methodist. I'm not an intro or extra. I'm an ambivert. And so social distancing was, it was cool for a minute. But now every time I hear it, it's like a cat walking across a piano or something. And I think the reason why is the church is not programmed and never has been to socially distance itself from its society or to distance ourselves from one another. 
In fact, God became one of us to break the entire narrative of social distancing because the gospel of Jesus Christ is anti-distancing. <laughs> he lived among us. This word did. And when he did leave, he left us with his spirit and a commandment to go and do not socially distance yourselves, but go into the world and make disciples. Close the social distance between yourself and your neighbor. Close the social distance between yourself and your enemy or your family member. But now, the Great Commission, it just became nearly impossible because we were told this week to go into our homes and to be isolated, but to make disciples, change the world. How are we supposed to do that? Well, I do need to pause and say a huge word of thanks to our staff and to our members who are finding these innovative ways to not go to church or to do church, but to what? Be the church. That's exactly right. We are the church. We worship on Sundays, but what happens between Sundays is the church because we are the church. And so when I hear about dozens and dozens of shut-ins receiving calls and cards from church members and from children, mm, I'm reminded how for 2,000 years, especially in the first century, the gospel spread through a word, through a handwritten letter. And when I see online chat rooms, like one this morning, a Sunday school class met this morning online to be together. When I see that kind of innovation happening, I'm reminded that sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ will never be something that's quarantined, that the Holy Spirit never self-isolates, and Jesus Christ is always at work to flatten the curve of sin and loneliness and fear and doubt, and for today's purposes, the spikes in anxiety. And so we read these red letters of Jesus, and they say, do not worry. God takes care of flowers and birds. God will take care of you too. And we lean into that. We allow that word to wrap around us and to hold us when no one else can. Then Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And we lean to that. We allow it to wrap itself around us when no one else can. And I think about Paul's words. Do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, make your request known before God. And the peace of Christ, which surpasses all our ability to understand, will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I hear these words, and these words are my entire world, and they are your world. And like you, I'm wondering, how are we not supposed to worry? How can we be a non-anxious presence of hope and joy and peace when everything seems to be so upside down? Well, we do it together without being together. Something to keep in mind right now is that everyone is experiencing some form of, of anxiety, uh, it is tied to our human freedom, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, that freedom gives us the opportunity to step into life's 
unknowns. Theologians Kierkegaard and Tillich talked about anxiety as the individual's response to the fear of non-being. Fear of non-being is one part the fear of death or guilt or becoming meaningless. So maybe our social distancing is causing anxiety right now because we're feeling a sense of purpose or meaning slip away. Maybe. Reinhold Niebuhr says that anxiety is rooted in human finitude, meaning we're anxious when we realize how short life is and how small we are. And we get that now. Anxiety for the faith community, called the church, it goes viral, that anxiety does, when we feel disconnected from God and, and from our people. So right now, a lot of us are experiencing general anxiety or separation anxiety, and those are very real conditions. And we need to hear Jesus say, do not worry. Come to me and I will give you rest. We need a word. We need a word like neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers or things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth or anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's rewrite that. I am convinced that neither death or the death of thousands from COVID-19, nor the life that seems to be compromised, nor messengers across the press, nor rulers in D.C. or at the U.N., nor present self-quarantines or the dread of test sites around town, nor the unknownness of the future and its diagnoses, or even if tests will work, nor the unknown of the timeline for when this too shall pass, nor the height of any curve or the depth of our collective despair, nor anything else that has accidentally been created or is in the works through science at this very moment will ever be able to separate us from God's love. We need a word. Nothing, no thing can socially distance you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If you don't hear anything else today, you need to say amen to that. Amen? amen? Nothing can socially distance us from the love of God. I do want to pause because I do want to be careful with real matters of, of anxiety and not gloss over them as for the conditions that they are and with which many of us wrestle. Anxiety is it's not a pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps kind of approach, panic and social anxiety and phobias and generalized anxieties, those are real concerns in our community right now, even more so as we distance ourselves. So anxiety is a matter of mental health, and that deserves as much attention as our physical conditions. It's, it's long past time that we became serious about mental health, and I'll say more about that next week in the sermon. And so we hear Jesus' imperative, do not worry, and we hear Paul telling us not to be anxious, and we need to simultaneously acknowledge the developments made in the world of mental health and how Jesus Christ is using places like Samaritan Counseling to provide healing to this community because anxiety is real. 
And so in these trying times, friends, if you're listening to me right now, if you're feeling hot around the collar, if you have headaches or GI issues, if you're pacing or stress eating, all of those symptoms are in play. What I, I don't want you to do is miss the chance to get the help that you need. You can find that on our website. You can email pastoralcare at fumcmontgomery.org because you are not a label and you are not a stigma. You are a child of the living God and you are so loved. We all go through this from time to time and the starting place for the church is to help flatten the curve of anxiety and fear that is among us. Somehow overnight, Removing labels and flattening the curve have become synonymous phrases. But we get a chance to do that, to flatten the curve of labeling people who are suffering from anxiety. It may not be anything they can help. It's a condition that needs compassion and care rather than judgment and stigma. So real quickly, back to Matthew 6. Do not worry about your life or all of the details because God will take care of you more than creation. And I've been thinking about those words and how revolutionary those words were in, in Jesus' own day. And crises yield new words, as we've said, a new vocabulary. And so in the face of, of Rome saying, I have all the grace and the provisions and peace and everything that you need, Jesus says, no, no, don't worry about anything in the world. Seek first the kingdom of God. I wonder if Jesus was addressing social or general anxiety. Don't worry about all the th things the world is telling you to worry about. Start with focusing on the good news of Jesus Christ, that Christ has overcome the whole world. And then it hit me, because we often think about Matthew 28 as the Great Commission, but Jesus is preaching a mission right here when he talks about worry and anxiety. That is the mission, that is the curve that the church can flatten. You see, followers of Jesus Christ, they were nervous about where he was going to send them and how he would equip them and where they would go and he would send them out and anxiety would go up. So he had to flatten the curve and say, don't worry about the things of this world. Anxieties can be a distraction. The details that coincide with the anxieties about what's going on over which we have no control, they can dissuade from the mission. And here's my point. Curve flattening is our evangelical mission. Maybe COVID-19 is teaching us that. So you want to evangelize? Then flatten the curves of stress and doubt and powerlessness wherever you are right now. All week long, I've been watching numbers of Wall Street go down while corona cases go up. And I've, I've wondered how our own financial strength here at this church will will last over the course of the next few weeks. Churches all across this country are thinking, how, how is, what's the end goal here? Where are we going with all of this? And I thought a lot about 9-11, and I thought a lot about the financial collapse in 2008. And I thought about the fact that in those two pivotal moments over the last 10 years or more, 20 years, people flocked to the church. Yet here we are in this crisis, and all of a sudden, guess what? We we can't be together. What are we supposed to do when our morale is affected and our momentum is affected and our giving and all these metrics on which we pride ourselves are affected? Well, we wrap ourselves up in Jesus' words. 
Don't worry. I got you. Seek first the kingdom of God and flatten a few curves of fear and anxiety in in your community right now. The way that we get to save lives as the body of Christ is by keeping our distance from one another. That's the way that we physically get to save lives. But we might save emotional lives and spiritual and mental lives too by helping flatten the curves, the stigmas associated with anxiety and mental health and stress. So I don't know what lies ahead or how long it will last, but what I do know is that we're not alone. That God is with us and that God is for us. And that God is even sending us now in this time of social distancing, this time of weird words to bring cheer and hope and comfort. As the story goes, Abraham Lincoln was on his way to Washington to be inaugurated, and he spent some time in New York with Horace Greeley. And Horace Greeley, along with so many others, were asking the question, are we really going to have a civil war? Is it coming? And so in the circuit-riding days, Lincoln and his companions, they would ride from one court session to the next, and they would have to cross over some rivers that were very swollen, but the Fox River, he said, was still ahead of him. And he would say that if these small tributaries, these small streams are so flooded, how in the world are we going to get across the Fox River? And so when darkness fell, they made their way to a log tavern where they ran into a Methodist preacher, a circuit rider. And he had ridden all over that countryside. He knew all about the Fox River. And so they gathered around him and said, Tell us about the state of the river. And the Methodist preacher said, oh, yes, I know all about the Fox River. I've crossed it many, many times, and and I understand it very well. But I have one fixed rule regarding that, that Fox River. I never cross it until I reach it. Hmm. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Let's focus on making a difference right now, keeping ourselves healthy, our neighbors healthy, our households healthy, Tomorrow's going to have enough trouble of its own. So right now, the rivers are swollen with fear and anxiety and trying to find a way to navigate forward. It's it's tough. But you're not alone in this journey. I promise you, we will get through this. We'll get through it together. We'll get through it with a word, a word made flesh called Jesus Christ, who has overcome all things. God loves you, and so do we. Let's pray. Almighty God, help us as your church to do our part to flatten the curves of anxiety and fear and to bring a word of hope and joy and peace. But help us also to be serious about conditions in our communities, in our homes, and if they need help, help us to have the courage to get the people to the help they need, even our own selves. We do not know what lies ahead, Lord. We will take it one swollen river at a time, but we'll do it together with you. And all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And all God's people said, amen.